Good morning, good people. Good morning. Sauce Talk is back. Sauce Talk had to take a little leap of absence. <clears throat> had to take care of some things. But now we're back. And we got um, the NBA playoffs. It's been full swing. I mean, I haven't really gone anywhere. I've been posting highlights. I've been up on the, the season, keeping y'all updated on what's going on day to day with it's been baseball, it's been basketball, it's been football, uh, boxing, MMA. Y'all still been seeing Sauce Talk. Get it in on Facebook. It's where you can find me, Justin Austin. Going to be getting cranked back up on IG and other things as well. Twitter, um, that's something I kind of leave to myself. Um, but, you know, IG and Facebook is where you can get the highlights and all that stuff like that. Starting back with IG here soon, but mostly on Facebook. Check out my story. Keep you pretty updated what's going on with sports and entertainment and things like that. Little funny videos and stuff like that. You might, you know, find funny or slam dunk or a crossover or something like that. A home run or strikeout. I got it all. You never know what I may put on the story, but I try to uh, really really get to the thick of things. You know, saying in sports. Last night, we had two bangers of a game in the semifinals, respectively, on the east and west side. First, we're going to talk about Atlanta in Philly, which I predicted um, that Atlanta would have won game one. They did. I predicted I predicted that Philly was going to go ahead and just, you know, gentlemen sweep them after that, which they haven't because it is 2-2 now after last night. And what went wrong last night was a part of, I don't know, kind of letting your guard down when you feel like you could smash a team and then you let that said team get back to what they was doing well in game one, which was penetrate, Trey Young, facilitate, 18 assists. I mean, the man was just, you know, one play, like I said, it's one thing when people talk about um, a player and how they may be or whatever like that, comparisons and stuff. Trey Young is starting to be Trey Young. There's no Steph Curry. To there to me, there's no Jason Kidd. There's no, you know, there's no Isaiah Thomas. There's 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 Trey Young. I'm seeing. There's Trey Young, a kid that worked his ass off, was great at Oklahoma, and he is bringing his style of play, paying homage to other players. I'm not saying that he's ultraly unique. But what I'm saying is he's able to get 25, 18. He only had two turnovers. He went 8 of 26 from 30% from the field, 27 from three-point line. That's bad. But he impacts a game to where he's a plus on the plus-minus. He's a floor general. He's got 18 assists. He's like an Allen Iverson mixed with, with Jason Kidd. He is a point guard with Steph Curry. Ambitions. 
Now, he's not going to shoot at the clip of a Steph Curry. He's not even really going to shoot at the efficiency of uh, Chris Paul. But he can do what Chris Paul can do in a little shades of what Steph Curry or those scoring guards can do because he's a scoring guard, but can facilitate his ass off. And they're going to win games if he can get 22 out of Bogdanovich, 14 and 12 out of John Collins, 10 and 12 out of Horder and Capella with 13 rebounds for Capella, three uh, with a block. Then you got guys like Lou Williams comes in and gets you nine. That's what you need. Gallo gets you seven. That's, that's, that, that culminates to good team basketball. And if you need a bucket from a guy, you can get Trey Young. You can get Bogdanovich. Because those are big shot makers that I've seen in these playoffs. So, there goes the whole thing of saying, well, you know, even I was saying, like, well, just Philly's just going to overpower them or whatever, like. And they, you know, you got guys that, like, cork my shot 40% from three, 44% of the field. Tobias Harris shot 50%. Ben Simmons shot 50%. So Curry shot 70%, 50% from three-point line. They shot well. A lot of guys did. Now, Embiid shot 20%, 25%. Did have a great game, 17-21. He got 21 rebounds, no blocks. It just it wasn't his day to shine. He missed a big-time layup to, to, uh, uh, to win the game. Big-time shot. You got to make it layup. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're enjoying Embiid. You was an MVP candidate. That's just like Patrick Ewing driving in against the uh, Pacers when he missed the layup. The little d- degree of difficulty was more on the side of Joe Embiid more so than uh, Patrick Ewing on that. But you got to make it. I think he put a little bit too much sauce on it. He could have just really just kind of got in there and just, just, just dunked it maybe. I don't know. I don't, they draw the foul. You're a big guy. No need trying to go up and under and all that stuff like that. It was a wild layup. It was tough, you know, crowd, you know, paint. But, you know, being that big, I don't know, maybe you could have found a different shot. I'm just saying. Um, it was tough, nonetheless. Tough game for him. And, uh, like I said, defense rotations wasn't that great. Dwight Howard came in there, gave some good minutes with some alley-oops and stuff. just wasn't what you would want. Um, I would say on the defense end, no blocks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he gave you 10 rebounds, but he changed some shots. Yes, they could have won the game if you had a better game out of Joel Embiid. Um, Dibble only gave you five points, but Steph, Steph Curry was on fire. 17 points, like I said, 50% for three-point line. That's what you want. Um, I think overall... You got to be pleased with the Hawks' home court, the crowd, keeping them at a point to where they're like, "Look, win this game," because we got a big history of winning home games, and we're gonna keep it riding. You know, it goes all the way back to 2008 with how they played the Celtics at home. In other playoff series, I remember how they played at home. Atlanta's a good home court to play at in the playoffs. And when you got somebody exciting as Trey Young, it kind of amplifies that a little bit. And you just got to, you know what I'm saying, ride that, ride that wave. I mean, they're missing DeAndre Hunter. That's big. 
Um, but you got to have other guys step up. And Tony Snell, I don't know, a guy who went, I don't know, 50, 40, 90, he's not doing a damn thing. Played seven minutes, then he got three shots up and couldn't make a thing. So, I mean, like, what happened to you? You feel me? Um, that's where you're supposed to come in and start to be something. Now, you already known to have the meme of the stat sheet of 0, 0, 0, 0, 0. You almost did it again, but you got an assist. I mean, Jesus. I mean, what's the point of you being this regular season shooting guy and you can't come into the playoffs and shoot? Um, Ayaka Okunwu played some good defense, big-time block shots, big uh, block uh, shot on a dunk attempt by Matisse Thibault. But he played good defense. He was there. He he was only got four points. He got three rebounds, but he played good defense. He was there. He was a presence there for the for the six minutes he played. So you got to have the team effort to beat the Philadelphia 76ers in this atmosphere because the crowd gets into it. Everybody loves when Bogdanovich hits a three. Everybody loves when um, um, uh, John Collins or Clint Capella gets a, a, a lob from Trey Young. Everybody loves when Trey Young hits a, a deep three. They love when he comes in and hits a little runner. They love when he does a little shoulder shimmy. Or should I say, just like, ah, I'm strong around here. But, you know, Seth Curry had a big chance to end, to end the game. I mean, to, to, to take the game over time. He had a good look. I don't think he should have double clustered. I think he may have thought a hand may have waved behind him. But I didn't really see that to where he should have double clustered. He should have shot a regular shot. But two bad turnovers. Um, down the mountain down the stretch by Atlanta that could have crossed that could have cost them, but luckily it'd be you know misses the layup and then um, like I said they get the foul. Trey Young makes the free throws. Seth Curry misses the three and that's your ball game. Now it's two two. So now my prediction is starting to look woo woo because now it's two two. It, uh, Atlanta has a, a big time momentum, but you got to go back to Philly and try to get it done because. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding right there. Going back to Philly, you lose that 3-2. Going back to Atlanta, um, and then you force that game seven. It's always tough to go back to that home court to try to win that game seven. So it's it's very important now to look at this Philly game as like the game that you don't want to have in game seven. So you got to go in there and say, hey, if many guys want to travel from Atlanta to come and watch us play, we need the support. But also they need team defense and they need the same production from the same guys that I just mentioned in Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, Lou Williams, Clint Capella, and hopefully Tony Snell can get some more minutes by making a shot. He probably would have hit and made a shot, but you go over three, you get seven minutes. But now we move on to Jazz and Clippers. Jazz and Clippers. Um, Clippers starting to look like what they did against Dallas when they were down 0-2. They're starting to, you know, really... Um, control the the half court game. You know, I think that's the one big thing that the Clippers got that I've noticed that they on the half court game, when everything slows down, you got to take away the mid range shots because you take away the mid range shot, they're not making those at a high clip. They're not feeling comfortable, and then you come down when they're when they're up eight nine points whatever like that, which they were up a lot thirty point first quarter. To 13 points. You can't have a 13 point first quarter. This is, this is not AAU. This is the NBA. Um, it's tough to play catch up when you, when a team is playing comfortable like that, half court wise. Then they get out in transition and make some plays with Reggie Jackson 
in uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said in the Dallas Mavericks series, when it went down down two zero, I mean, uh, uh, it, it, they just start to wake up. They start to feed off of just themselves, and and they believe like, hey, we can overcome this. So who steps up? Marcus Morris, who I've seen showed a hot hand in the past couple games, making shots, uh, making big shots. Uh, Reggie Jackson starting to take the ball to the cup. He only had four points, but show some assertiveness with, with the time that you're in. You can make something happen at three assists. Four assists for Paul George, 31-9. and nine. Hit big shots down the stretch, went 9-20, 45% for the field, went 40% for three-point line shot, 10 threes. He was just feeling it, you know what I'm saying, enough to where he, he made a damaging point to where it was like, you know, if you leave me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you pay. Mid-range in and, and finishing with a couple dunks as well. Um, Kawhi Leonard, 31-7. He hit big shots, big shots on Rudy Gobert, over Rudy Gobert from the perimeter. Uh, was hitting the mid-range, got a big-time dunk on uh, Derek, uh, Derek Favors, which he, he wanted to dunk on him on the first half and went up with a little with a little layup. But that second one, man, it was like, yeah, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you one. It wasn't default. It wasn't basic. It was a hard, good poster flush. Kawhi Leonard, that's your poster of your career, I think. On, on Derek Favors, I can't think of any other type of play other than the shot against Toronto, I mean Philly, um, other than this dunk that Jaquai did, I mean, which comes out of like, Jesus, I didn't know he was going to rise up and crank it like that. I mean, that, that won the game. I feel like it was just, it snatched what Utah felt like they can just kind of bring in this in the stable center. Donovan Mitchell, on a layup, hurt his ankle, reaggravated his ankle, which he already reaggravated in game three. That was kind of worrisome. He kept playing. It just, they couldn't really get what they wanted, you know, it's in a good flow. Zubak did a good job underneath. Um, Marcus Morris being, you know, saying somewhat tough. Nicholas Batum, tough, man. You know what I'm saying? He is a, just a he's, a, he's a Swiss Army knife of what you want. He can play the five, he can play the four, he can play the three. He can hit the three, he can drive. He could pass. So those are the things that Charlotte paid for. He just didn't want to do it as Charlotte. He thought, like, oh, I can make this little money. It's guaranteed. He played the system a little bit. And now you're in a situation where you can play and play for a championship. Now you're seeing a extra version of of, uh, of uh, Nicholas Batum. But let's talk about Rudy Gobert real quick. Eight rebounds, one block. I'm not worried about the points. You went 4-4. Four, four. You get points so dead close to the bucket. We're not worried about that. 14, 16 rebounds, five blocks. Where are you at? You know, the, where's, where's, you, where? <clears throat> but they're putting him in position where he's at in the perimeter. So they're switching. You know, Clip, Clippers are doing a smart job with Tyron Lue. What he's trying to do as far as moving Gobert, whereas giving Paul George those drives to the basket with the dunks, giving Kawhi Leonard a chance to go in there and attack Reggie Jackson, guys like that. It's giving that to where it's like now they're spreading them out and they're driving and they're kicking. And, you know, Paul George is in the beneficiary. Batum, those guys. But Gobert has to, in the beginning of the game, set a tone. He has to set a tone to get the offense going. His defense and block shots and getting out of transition can turn it to something where 
Other guys can get going. Jordan Clarkson, eight points. He's a guy to where at half-court settings, he can get points, but it gets going in the transition. It gets going when a block and a fast break happens. Jordan Clarkson comes down to get a layup or a transition three. He gets feeling it. He can get 20 points off of that. Derek Favors, you know what I'm saying? You got to give something better than that, especially after getting dunked on like that. Game five has got to be special for you. George Niang, he struggled game one. I don't think he's ready for this situation. The three big minuses goes for Jordan Clarkson, Derek Favors, and George Niang. Now, Donovan Mitchell was a minus 15, but Jesus had 37 points. He was the only one out there giving a damn. You know, he went shot 26 shots. Um, Ingles, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the shots that he makes are just so... They're so spread out, they're kind of like they don't matter. You know, he went 79, 19 points, but it's like he has hit shots when they're down and they're not, there's the start of a run, you know, or that they hit that shot and they just got, they just ended a run. He's not a, he's got a, they, they got to be, they got a front run. This team has to front run with their threes. They got a front run with their threes so they, so they can be able to shoot and fire them off happily. Bogdanovich was doing a good job defensively. And I think that is taken away from his offensive game. Now, he didn't play horribly. Uh, just, you know, 12 shots. You know, he shot 50% and shot 40%. Three-point line, two, five threes, and shoot the ball good there. Just couldn't get the shots. Couldn't get the looks that he really wanted to get. Royce O'Neal is just not a, you know, a dead-eye three-point shooter. So, you know, those attempts are starting to shrink a little bit because of the defense of the Clippers. And the offense can turn into defense as well. Their offense is coming down, mm-hmm. and they're they're t- they're sucking the life out of the game for a three point shooting team. You come down, you have this half court setting, and then you get buckets, and then they come down, and they're thinking, "All right, let's get going. We're gonna hit this first three, and then we'll go down there and play defense." And they miss the three, and then then Clippers get a transition bucket. Then they come down, and they're like, "Okay, we gotta get a three. If they miss that three, then Clippers might say, okay, we're going to have a possession. Slow it down and get a bucket. You don't understand in playoff basketball how much that is detrimental to a team that wants to sit there and just run the gun. Look at Houston and how, uh, um, you know, I would say in the difference of saying like how Golden State did Houston. Houston wanted to go half court. They wanted to slow it down. They wanted to, but if you, but if it, it, what can go bad is, is that just like game one, if you start missing shots, that's when that team that can get the running and get to going 10 4. But the Warriors are way better than what the Jazz was ever put together because they got the greatest shoot ever with Clay Thompson and things like that. They don't miss a lot. You know, they're more in the 40% clip kind of permanently. So when they get to going, they make, they make their fight. They're trying to do what the Warriors done, but they don't have the shooters. But they got shooters, but they just don't got those type of shooters. So they're kind of emulating what the Warriors have done to be successful. And but for them to do it, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta be one. And Donovan Mitchell is a good guy to get to the rim and stuff like that. But he's gonna take wear and tear in this in the series, and it's gonna take off from his shooting possibly and things like that. He went six for fifteen, shot fifteen threes though. You know he's he shot fifteen. Ingles. Should get ten, you know, saying three attempts instead of you know seven. Uh, if he's gonna get fifteen, Bogdanovich should get eight or nine. It's good that you can shoot him and you can make him, Donovan. But fifteen may just be too much for you making six. You know, what I'm saying I know it's forty percent, but 
you get to the line, you went 13 and 15. It makes you go to the hit your, hit your mid range. You shoot 34%. Kawhi Leonard uh, shot the ball at a uh, clip at uh, 47%. He hit the mid range jumper. I think he got he got he's got to do that. I think both both uh, him and Paul George do that well. And I think Donovan Mitchell got to shoot more at the mid range and make that shot comfortably. Hit the little runner or something like that. But Goody Gobert is the key of this of this series. He has to start out dominating in the paint, closing out better when he gets in those situations. I know he's not the best, but if you close out on Kawhi Leonard, he, he, that was horrible. You can't fall for that hesitation like that. You know he's wanting to pull up. You know it. Just glad to be back. I'm glad to be back recording and everything. Man, y'all see but over the weekend, the guy for UFC, the, the, the pay-per-view, I think it was 260, I forgot it was 264, 265. These numbers can go up, whatever. Um, the stout Israel Alessania wins um, in a match where he could have, he almost got choked out there. He fought a good fight, but he almost, he was in a little bit of danger there. He almost got the cotton in the rear naked choke, but he got out of it. But um, then you got this guy who I gotta get his name. I got his name. Then, 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 then totally went out of my mind here. Um, first debut fight. You know he's you know saying just pops up and it's like you know surprise motherfucker. You know what I'm saying so <laughs> he gets the like the quickest USC finish. You know what I'm saying that I've seen. He comes out there. He throws a a, a one two. And and the dude is gone. And he falls back and looks like he tears ACL for crying out loud. The the crazy thing, the crazy thing is is that I've been saying this for years. I have been saying this for years, okay? You just don't understand how long I have been saying this, preaching this, and everything. These fighters they win these UFC matches, and they go crazy. And I dig the, the excitement. Not sitting there saying that you should not be excited. Okay, this is my big. This is my big take. Do you have to? Oh my God. Do you have to? By the love of God, put yourself in a disposition. MMA, UFC, fights with no shoes. You have no shoes on. You have no support. I think it's highly dumb for these fighters to jump on the cage and to jump off that cage and land flat-footed. I have seen guys luckily not destroy their knees and stuff like that. But this weekend, so happy that this weekend, that I go, I go to an AAU tournament and everything, and you know I got to see my fights. This man knocks this guy out. One of the quickest knockouts I've seen in UFC history. He then jumps on the cage, which I can say this one thing. With him jumping on the cage, it was probably the most innocent style that I've seen. Meaning... I've seen a person do a backflip who who just lost to Oliver, 
did a backflip off. You know what I'm saying? He did a backflip off the cage. And it looked like his knee was about to be shredded. Um, it, it, it just, I was just like, wow. Like, he, he, like, that was just, that was just, that, that was just crazy. Like, for him to, to try to do that. So, when this guy who wins this fight by knockout jumps on the cage, he then jumps down. So innocently. And that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, he wasn't one of the ones that, like, he was, he, he was not one of the ones that I would say did the most of jumping on the cage. He jumped on there, he did his little thing, but I just don't think he paid attention of how he landed. So when he landed, his knee just went boom. So... I'm believing that he has a torn ACL. You know, after seeing that, I'm like, man, he's he's in bad shape. So, on to Adesanya, who comes out dedicating this fight to his friend that he uh, that passed away. He comes out to a mass. Um, dedicating uh, the video game Ghost of Tsushima, I guess that was something that him and his friend, I guess, was cool with. Terrence McKinney, that was his name. I had to, I had to find his name. Seven second knockout. Uh, Terrence McKinney, debut, messes his knee up after winning the fight, celebrating. Crazy. Crazy. But Adesanya comes out there, you know, with the same... I don't call it cockiness. It's just the, the, his confidence. It's his same boyish type. You know, he's boisterous. He's got to be that. Got to be that guy. Good fight. He he. Uh, I would say did what he's supposed to do. I mean, the dude was, you know, trying to. <laughs> he was trying to do everything to, to try to finish the fight without trying to use fighting skills. Because he couldn't get inside, he couldn't attack, he couldn't do nothing he wanted to do to Israel. And like I said, the one big part for the fight for Vittori was a part um, wrestling. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I'm gonna, we're gonna wrestle, bub. You know what I'm saying? But Adesanya said, I'm ready to wrestle with you. So we, there's no problem there. And one point, like I said, I mentioned earlier, one point it was a head, uh, a rear naked choke. Incidents that could have happened to where that could have been a, a two fight loss in a row for Israel Adesanya. And this time in his weight division, where he could have lost his belt, he keeps it. So that's a good job for him on that. But on my last final thought, I wanted to talk about real quick before the game tonight of uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee. For this series to be such a blowout series and oh man it's gonna be over and Greek Freak talking about legacies and stuff like that at Chris Bissaris in there talking about his legacy you know it doesn't hurt to lose to a better team like this and I just call bullshit on that because you don't do that you know you don't do that so now it flips the card of saying what's happened with Kyrie, what we already knew James Harden being hurt Kyrie's now gotten hurt with an ankle injury 
We had the chippiness with P.J. Tucker and Kevin Durant, and that all that happened. It flipped the series to where it's now it's 2-2. And we got Greek Freak, you know, still playing at a good level. He's had 30 points in both of well, he had 30 points in game one and, and you know, a, a decent game two. But the other team, the, the, the rest of the team wasn't showing up. Middleton wasn't showing up. Drew Holiday wasn't showing up. So Drew Holiday shows up and wins game three. I would say majority of that goes to Drew Holiday. And then here comes game four. And Kyrie gets hurt. Joe Harris still ain't playing good. Playing horrible. Steve Nash don't trust DeAndre Jordan. I don't blame him. He's not coming in there doing anything. You got guys like Mike James. You got guys like that are trying to come in and, you know, saying be something. Brown, they're trying to be more than what they, they should, you know, so what they should be trying to. But, you know, you can't knock it. You're in the NBA. You're in the playoffs. You got to make big plays. I mean, that's how guys are. You know, scary Terry's and stuff like that are made. But Kevin Durant, this is the moment for him. I don't give a shit. What did anybody say? They're, oh, man, if they lose, it's because of injuries. No, 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 no. Kevin Durant is the best player in the world, considering a lot to, to, uh, to a lot of people. A lot of people consider him that. They don't think LeBron James no more. They're not saying Steph Curry. They're saying Kevin Durant. They're saying what he can do efficient-wise, scoring, and all that good stuff. They're saying Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. So now with Kyrie Hurt, James Harden Hurt, it's you versus Greek because Middleton is not Kyrie or James Harden. Now, he's an all-star, but we, we know how that goes in the East. I've had that discussion with a buddy of mine. The Eastern all-star is a funny hoax of saying, like, you know, Kyle Lowry's and uh, Isaiah Thomas's and, you know, guys like that can make that team, especially mm-hmm. where the East is built. But now you got... You know, somewhat little bit of strength of it coming up, but still, at those times, you're not worried about Chris Middleton unless he's going to start hitting shots, which he did a little bit, you know, saying in those last two games. But you're getting some from PJ Tucker on the defensive end on Kevin Durant, but you got to be able to just stunt on him. I mean, just, you shouldn't let PJ Tucker hold you to nine points or 25%. I don't care what type of beef y'all got going, that's the amplified. I just I just look at it like I can't believe that 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 now we've come to it where we're talking about legacies off of injury or or teams being better. Like man, if you make the playoffs and you set the stage, it hurts your legacy if you sit there and go out there. And if if Greek Freak would have got swept by this team, it would have hurt his legacy. That's why you see a wake up of the team of playing with heart. They're probably driven by him. Let's go. Let's play physical. That's how you beat teams that want to sit there and score all pretty. You be physical. You you beat them up. Now, if an injury happens here and there, I mean, that's the game of basketball. It happens in the game of football, baseball, and tennis. All the way down to, to the tiddlywinks. I mean, injuries are a part of sports. So we can't sit there and say, oh, this makes a difference. This, oh, that's this. And he gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass. Kevin Durant has to now whoop Greek. This is a one-on-one type of situation to where if, if you have to be a facilitator to get the guys going, to be efficient, score 28 points, get this, get your the rebounds, get your blocks, you got to do a lot of stuff. And then, oh, that's not in Kevin Durant's bag of being that ultra facilitator, playmaker, all-around guy. He has to do it because now the team is looking at him like Mike James, Brown, Claxton. You got guys who are looking at him like, we, 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 we waiting on you, bro. We, we, we with you, 
Well, we need you. Blake Griffin, you know what I'm saying, who was hurting a lot of times in these situations, a little banged up. Now he's looking at Kevin Durant like, I, I'm with you, bro, but I, I, I can only do so much. Kevin Durant's going to have to do that. Greek tries to do it. He tries to pass, facilitate, be the playmaker and stuff like that. Now it doesn't necessarily work out the same as a Will LeBron James or a Ben Simmons or somebody like that, but he at least tries. But I do think he needs to be more focus-centered in the paint and getting guys in the perimeter instead of him bringing the ball up and trying to make the offense because I think a lot of turnovers and I think when pick and rolls happen, they stand and watch. They don't pick. When they pick and roll, they don't sit there and try to – they just stand back and shoot the jumper. We see if you make it. So something's got to change from that. But Kevin Durant, in this instance, don't lose this series and think you're going to cower behind the he gets a pass or he, he – you know, Kyrie was hurt. James Harden was hurt. No. Don't want to hear none of that. You're Kevin Durant. I think you and Greek could have a good little battle and, and get in this and, and, and make this into a, a, a good semifinals for the last, you know, say two wins for each team they got to get. And then it goes the same for if you're on the, on the side of uh, Atlanta with, with, with Philly. They're thinking, hey, Trey Young. Versus uh, uh, going up against uh, Embiid, you know what I'm saying? The, the other guys are saying Ben Simmons or, uh, you know what I'm saying, like who is the other guy? They don't really have it. So you, so, so Trey Young is building up his legacy. I beat Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It's not no past or no excuses. Or If you make it, if you sit there you win the games, and it's no, there's, no, there's no excuses. There's no feelings there, man. I don't have no feelings or no sympathy for somebody to be like, oh, that just a, like when Jason Kidd got blew off the map by the Lakers back then, I didn't want no sympathy. You made it to the finals. You got to figure it out. When LeBron made it to the finals against the Spurs the first time, you got to figure it out. You beat the big bad boy Pistons. Figure it out. Period. So you have some real good basketball coming up ahead. With these series tied up two two, and people, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I'm not hearing a bunch of people sitting there saying, "Oh, this is fixed, this is rigged." I'm glad I'm not hearing that. This is like the first postseason that I have watched and watched around people and talked around and stuff, and nobody is really. This is rigged. This is this is this is all. Oh, this is po-. nah. This is basketball. I guess because LeBron James ain't in the playoffs is why you're not hearing it. I guess that's the main reason why. But now you're seeing that other franchises, you got chances like the Jazz, the Clippers, Hawks, and Philly. It's something different. This is this is something something different to where it's, it's, we're definitely going to see, definitely seeing a new champion, definitely going to see a new finals MVP. We're going to see a new, you know, a hero of a sense. Like if Kevin Durant wins his finals, he got big time respect for me, especially if Kyrie and James Harden's not playing. If he makes it to the finals or conference finals, that's big, big enough for me to be. I'll be like, see, now that's something. Donovan Mitchell beating the Clippers. Kawhi, uh, Paul George turning the tide and saying, hey, I can be the guy and, and lead this team, you know what I'm saying, alongside with Kawhi Leonard and make it to a conference finals. Because Phoenix. They're just sitting back and just wait. Because in last year in the bubble, I seen that team play lights out. They had no chance to make it to the playoffs. 
They didn't have Chris Paul. They had what they had of Monty Williams, Devin Booker, and, and they didn't have Jay Crowder either. They had just a team that showed, like, look, next year, we're going to be it. In the offseason showed the word, I think Chris Paul was like, yeah, we're going to check out that Phoenix team. Jay Crowder said, I'm going to go too. And look at them now. Aiden's playing good, good draft pick. Bridges, good draft pick. Uh, Cameron Payne, I was sitting there just thinking, he's not going to give you nothing. He's giving you something. Craig, all the way down to Torrey Craig is giving you something. But, I mean, just Chris Paul being what he can be, no turnovers in the fourth quarter, uh, 37 points in the closeout game, uh, beating the MVP of the league and uh, Nikolai Jokic, which I think he was ejected wrongfully. I don't think he deserved to be, to be ejected from that game. It was a clean play. He went for the ball, hit the ball. He didn't hit Cameron Payne's face. I just think him swinging like that probably just made the refs feel like he should get a, a flake or two on that. Don't think he deserved to be ejected, but the team just gave up. I mean, he did everything. I mean, he was one game he had 32, 10, and 14. I mean, like, Jesus. I mean, that's your MVP. He played all out. They didn't have Jamal Murray. Like I said, that's not a huge excuse. I saw good play from Marcus Howard, Norris. They had other guys, Compazzo. They had guys coming in there doing something. So they got to step up. It's next man up. If they don't, then they fail. But it doesn't sit there and say, well, it doesn't just tarnish Nikolai Djokovic's uh, uh, legacy, but it hurts. Your MVP. You're a big guy. You're seven foot. I mean, like, you're supposed to be this passing wonder to get everybody going and stuff like that. Mark Reporter Jr. was laboring a little bit. He was wearing heat and pads before the game. I dig all that. But you got to you gotta find some way to win something. And, and teams, is, you know, one team can be up just like the Nets. They were up. Everybody was ha, ha, ha. The injuries happen now. Look, it's a tie, tie series. So, I mean, like, you can't sit there and just harp over injuries. It's the next man up. That's why they make means on the bench as well to bring their ass in there and try to play. That's why Cal Coos was sitting there trying to talk about, I'm working on my ball handling. Because you're going to be a bench player for the rest of your life, and, and you're going to be a journeyman if you don't get it together. But you're going to be needed to come in and do something. It's not saying, oh, you just like, oh, Cal Coos, you're just going to be on a team chilling. No, you got to be ready to at least do something. If you ain't going to be a starter, you're going to be coming off the bench, you still got to be ready to do something. If a player comes down and you got to get more minutes, you got to be ready. Terry Rozier, prime example. Tony Allen, prime example. Guys like Shannon Brown, Farmar, the guys I grew up watching and showing that I could be ready if something happened. But I'm just, like I said, glad to be back. First episode back. Can't wait for the game tonight. I think uh, it's going to be a hellacious game. I think Brooklyn's going to win. I think Kevin Durant's going to have a hell of a game. I'm calling for Kevin Durant to get five assists or more. I ain't saying ten or nothing, but five, maybe seven assists would be good if for Kevin Durant to get this team going. If the double team come, be smart, make the good play, make the good pass, and people knock down your shot, sham it, and guys like that got to play hard. If not, then if you know if Milwaukee gets in this defensive groove, their offense gets better. Brooke Lopez is going to start hitting threes. Greek is going to start owning the paint. Things are going to start happening with Chris Middleton, and then y'all going to be down 3-2. Then the pressure really going to be on. First-year coach Steve Nash, all that good stuff is going to start to look real, real fucked up. So it's going to be a hell of a game tonight. 
This week we got Charlo fighting. I'm gonna talk for a boxing fight week for for the coming days. We got that coming up this weekend. But other than that, we got NBA basketball getting hotter and hotter. What I don't know what the hell Dwight Howard's doing with his hair, but uh, fix it. He looked like Reptar off of, off the Rugrats. But uh, that's all I'm gonna talk about. Y'all be good and all that good stuff. And uh, for those out there that are still talking this bullshit about LeBron shouldn't change the number to six and all this stuff and why is he changing the number six and all that good stuff, man, shut up. For real.